Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, Jonathan Freeman is in the driver's seat. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? Uh, good morning, Eric. Great to be back with you. Looking forward to another exciting podcast. Absolutely. And I know that you've brought a special guest in studio today, so that's very exciting. I know that we're social distancing, but uh, it's, it is still exciting to have Sharon in the studio. Can you introduce her to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Sharon Spooler is the area managing partner of Southern California for a very innovative firm called Chief Outsiders, which when you hear it, you might not have any idea what they do. They are a outsourced chief marketing officer or fractional CMO organization that helps companies take advantage of experienced, very experienced marketing professionals and allow them to use a portion of it in a very efficient manner and take advantage of a network of CMOs across the United States and expand upon their expertise in in driving their various business growth objectives. I was uh, fortunate enough to be introduced to Sharon through an organization, networking organization. I'll let her touch on that. Sharon, for the audience, would you mind just giving us a quick overview of your background, education, and how you uh, got into this field in this industry? Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here today. I have an unexpected background for what you might think a chief marketing officer might bring to the table. After I grew up here in California, I headed east to Princeton for college and uh, started on an engineering path and ended up graduating from the engineering school there in operations research and financial engineering, which led me down kind of an analytics and data modeling and statistical path for a few years in the financial services industry. And I realized that my passion for algorithms uh, was, was also matched by a passion for connecting with people. And as I started to explore marketing, I realized that marketing blends both that analytical and the creative side of, of business. And so I moved uh, rapidly then into marketing roles where I could leverage both the left brain and the right brain side, if you will, with a passion for what marketing really does, which is connecting businesses with people. It's all about connection, whether it's business to business or business to consumer. And there's no algorithm that can predict those connections. And so it really is the best of both worlds. Today, I'm residing here in San Diego. I have uh, 11-year-old boy-girl twins. As Jonathan mentioned, I'm part of the leadership team at Chief Outsiders, where we have uh, 72 chief marketing officers based in 32 markets across the United States, all from different backgrounds, but all proven chief marketing officers. We've all been in that seat multiple times before joining our organization. And now we get to help companies of all sizes improve and grow their marketing efforts, grow their businesses. And so it's, it's quite rewarding to be able to have an impact across multiple organizations. For those that obviously are only just listening to us, Sharon is a, a formidable basketball player. I believe has a, a reputation there that I won't be able to adequately convey, but she is not only a formidable basketball player, but also uh, very formidable in the science of marketing. Every time I am with her in a various business 
environment. I'm impressed and, and awed by her ability to really just identify areas of exposure, ways to, to creatively market and thoughtful, innovative approaches that most of us would be just happy to, to take one fraction of and apply to our own business. So Sharon, I have the, the nice responsibilities here of, of marketing at our firm. It's obviously something that's been continuing to evolve. I like how you said you were a, <laughs> you take financial engineering and apply it to marketing, or at least from an algorithm perspective. But as a, a marketing person today, in in when I say today, we're we're sitting here in 2020 in in the midst of a pandemic. What is it like to be a marketing person trying to deal with the challenges that that most businesses are are confronted in in a period of of a pandemic? Well, I think you you used the right word there, Jonathan, with it's a challenge and it's always changing. And that's been true for marketing for a long time uh, prior to this pandemic. And as with many functions and organizations, that's true for marketing today, that it's accelerated a lot of the changes and trends that we saw pre-pandemic. Marketers are people too. As with many employees, we're also struggling with how to balance work life and, and kids at home and families along with our evolving marketing challenges and trying to stay top top of mind with new trends and new techniques that will help our, our companies, our clients, and, and those that we are helping to connect with their prospects and customers to continue to do a good job there. Got it. So what, what distinguishes a successful company in terms of their marketing efforts? How would, how would you characterize that for our, our listening audience? That's a great question. Marketing is all about the market. The market comprises your customers, your prospects, your trends that are happening in the market in which you are seeking your prospects, seeking your customers, and also who else is playing in that market, so the competition. And I think companies that distinguish themselves in marketing are those who are in touch with what's happening in all facets of their markets. They are speaking with their customers and their prospects. And I mean the marketing department is speaking with customers and prospects. They're also paying attention to how competition is evolving and what are the key trends that they need to be aware of for the markets that they serve so that they can better position how their organization uniquely solves challenges in those markets. So in terms of such uncertainty in the market, how did you see companies reacting in terms of their marketing budget or their marketing activities in a pandemic environment? Well, I think there were kind of three buckets of companies right as the pandemic hit. There was the, the company who saw marketing as an operating expense line item and, and, and shut it down, and, and sometimes for great reason. Some industries, as we know, were, were very hard hit by the pandemic and so really needed to conserve cash and went into kind of cash save mode and shut down a lot of their connecting with prospects and customers, their marketing. There was a bucket of companies out there who weren't sure and either maybe put it on hold temporarily or kept kind of going with what they were doing, hoping that this maybe wouldn't last very long or they felt like there were other priorities in the organization. And then there was a bucket of companies who saw the opportunity, perhaps in industries that were not as hard hit, who accelerated their spend and took advantage of lower advertising costs, the, the ability to really position against a strong trend, how their organization could could pivot, could could solve the problems that the pandemic was bringing. That third bucket hit the gas pedal and 
and uh, accelerated their spend, accelerated their performance during this time. So there really were three main reactions, I think, that I saw from, from the initial days of the pandemic. And so when it hit, what did you see were, were some of the other effects or what, what else did companies and the leaders that you were consulting with do differently once maybe broader than just the marketing side that you thought were either innovative or good business decisions? Yes. I think there were three things. We, everyone used the word pivot as soon as this hit. So I'm going to use it here today. And as a basketball fan, you all understand why I love the word pivot. It helps you change direction, right? So... There were three things that needed to be pivoted as the pandemic hit. One was messaging. So companies couldn't be blind to the fact that this pandemic was happening. And if websites and collateral and sales messaging stayed static to what the world was like prior to the pandemic, it seemed blind to the customer and prospect. And it made the connection with that customer and prospect more difficult because it was inauthentic. It wasn't it wasn't contemporary with what was actually happening out there. And the second thing that needed to pivot was strategy. So in some cases, markets that companies uh, were selling to were completely shut down. There was a spray tanning company, for example, that I spoke with in the early days of the pandemic. And it was April. It was their peak season. On a call, we talked about what else could their spray tanner spray? Well, it turns out it can spray disinfectant. And so they were able to pivot their product to market to organizations, companies that needed to spray disinfectant, auto shops, fire departments, law enforcement, businesses, and many others. They were able to do well through the pandemic because they moved fast, they pivoted early. And then the third place that uh, companies were pivoting were their marketing tactics. And as we all know, the in-person events shut down. And so they needed to pivot to digital, pivot to remote in those tactics was a lot of opportunity in terms of continuing to help the organization grow if they were able to, to to pivot effectively in all three of those dimensions. Not that I know anything about spray tans, but being able to transform a business on such a, a quick turn and and be able to reorganize to do and take advantage of an opportunity that's presented, that's fantastic. C- certainly a, a, a strong-minded CEO there. Yes. By summer, things started to stabilize, the dust cleared. So what did you start seeing in terms of now that we're, we're through, at that point, it looked to be the first shutdown, what was then the reaction of, of the companies that you were consulting with or a broader market? Yes. I think there are three key trends that continue to pull through for marketing, whether B2B or B2C marketing. I think these are the case. Uh, one is, as I mentioned earlier, the digital transformation. With the shutdown of in-person events and networking, the companies needed to pay much more attention to their digital presence. And the why is that your your website is basically your first sales call for a lot of prospects, especially now in a remote world. If they see a piece of content or hear from someone, even if they receive an outbound call from sales and they catch the name of the company and the message, they are most likely to go to the website as their first stop, right? And, ha- and do their own due diligence. I certainly do. Yeah, right? It's how we, how we buy a lot of things today. So minding your digital store, minding your digital presence has never been more important than it is today. And that's a trend that's been accelerating but has excel- accelerated significantly in these last six months. Another area that has become important with this uh, pandemic has been the alignment between sales and marketing. And what I mean by that is 
you know, who are we targeting? What are their pain points? And how do we sell and market together in a remote and digital and virtual fashion? Leads are coming in off the internet. They're coming in from social media. They're maybe coming in through the phone. And we need to, marketing needs to arm salespeople with the right messaging, the right collateral, and the right tools to sell in that virtual environment and then get the feedback on how that's performing and, and continue to iterate together. We need to walk this path together more so than ever. The third piece would be just continuing to focus on process and automation. I mean, there's so many good platforms out there that help marketing and sales walk that path together, whether it's a Salesforce, Pardot implementation, Marketo, HubSpot, which is one of our firm's favorite tools for small, mid-sized businesses. We, we see the benefit of companies that are able to operate sales and marketing off of a, an aligned and integrated platform that helps them do business together, sales and marketing do business together. And so those three areas are the ones I think that are going to continue to go after this, but are, have been really, really important during this pandemic. I, I can see that. It's certainly been important for us in terms of our digital presence. So when, when you look at marketing and being so critical now that they have to, companies have to find new ways to get out and touch prospects and, and send their message, it sounds like you're, they're, they're trying to invest more in marketing. Is that true? And, and what do you see in terms of where they're focusing their, their I guess, uh, marketing dollars? Yeah, I think it depends if they're where they are in their journey of understanding how marketing drives ROI, how marketing drives sales and revenue. If companies are still finding the way to figure that out and to measure the importance, they're naturally reluctant to increase spend. I think in that case, it's important to focus on your marketing efforts on finding a way to measure ROI, finding a way to measure impact so that you know how much to invest in, in that part of your business. I think for companies that have figured that out, I think they're in a great position to find ways to take advantage of organizations that really are unable to spend more or don't know where to spend more. And they are able to capture share and, and grow their business at an accelerated rate. So in that case, I, I am seeing organizations spend more. And I think more overall across all categories, some organizations are spending the same amount they're just reallocating budget from things like in-person event sponsorships and networking and travel over to digital, working on their website, working on their processes, working on sales enablement and collateral messaging, maybe branding in order to, again, mine their digital shop. So it may be a reallocation. It may be a slowdown if they're not sure where to spend, or they may actually be speeding up if they figured out the equation that you know, if I've spent a dollar in marketing, what do I get back? And do you have any uh, good success stories, companies that you helped kind of navigate through this this kind of dynamic and, and shocking shutdown that you think were are good examples of taking your guidance and doing the right thing? Yeah, that's a great question. I do. I've worked with a, a professional services company since December of 2019. That's when I joined them as their fractional CMO. When I joined them, they were getting... I don't know, 40 or 50 leads a month. This is a, B, a B2B, business to business IT services company. They were getting 40 or 50 leads per month from events, primarily in-person events. And we had started to do some of the, the projects, the initiatives that we talked about today, figuring out ROI, 
implementing an integrated platform between sales and marketing, improving messaging when the pandemic hit. And kudos to the CEO. This is a this is a $10 million business in 2019. A recent statistic I saw, professional services companies I, I, I've heard are down 10 to 20% in 2020 compared to 2019. So there was some real concern whether the organization should keep spending, should keep investing. The company decided to continue to move forward. A couple, fast forward a few months later, thanks to sort of that integrated platform, a more of an ROI-based approach to marketing, and uh, really tapping into the key trends that their, their prospects, their customers were trying to accomplish. We are now generating 130 to 150 leads a month, qualified leads for sales. Uh, they're all from digital sources, so there are no in-person events in that number. The company's gonna grow 25% year over year in 2020. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, marketing payback is, is within a month or two of spend. Uh, in terms of an ARR basis of the marketing of the of the sales that are happening as a result of marketing efforts, the the real story here is they didn't spend any more in 2020 on marketing than they expected to spend when the year started. So this wasn't due to a huge influx in capital. It was due to optimizing spend across the initiatives that really were going to help them move the needle. And I think that's the that's the new role of the CMO, right? This Centura is a wealth management company. You know, just like a great wealth manager, a ch chief marketing officer should be thinking about marketing, which is often the highest uh, line item in terms of discretionary spend for more, most companies is marketing. A good CMO will ask themselves, if I have X amount of capital to deploy against that investment, where am I likely to get the highest return? And, and that's what this company did. They really, they said, okay, well, in-person events, we're not going to just eliminate that budget. We're going to reallocate that investment to areas that we think are going to matter now during a pandemic, after a pandemic, that's going to sustain and even help our business grow. That's great. I think that's the first time I've ever heard a CMO being compared to a wealth advisor, but being a party to both, I can't agree with you more. I think we'll have to trademark that for you in the future as the first time first heard right here at the Live Life Liberated podcast. But turning the tables a little bit and, and starting to look forward in your crystal ball, what, what do you see happening as companies are now preparing for 2021? This is not going away. If anything, it's probably getting worse before it's going to get better. How do you take lessons learned from, from this year and really continue to, as you said, pivot and, and focus on ways to be successful, profitable, and, and continue to hit their growth objectives in the kind of, I'll call it foreseeable future. I think there are two things I wanna highlight here. I think one is the obvious, which is that in-person events are probably not gonna be back in the way that we had them before the pandemic for a while. Even if people start to host them, what will attendance look like? How will it be structured? Will there be as many people in those conference halls as there were before? Continuing to be opportunistic about that as a potential strategy is gonna be important going forward and looking for other ways to engage and connect with prospects and customers will be important. The, the other thing that I, I can't highlight enough is Gartner did a, a report back in 2017 that said that buyers spend three times as much of their time in the selling, in the buying process, doing their own research as speaking to a salesperson. Three times as much time doing independent research as speaking with sales. 
So it, it continues, and, that, and I think that trend is accelerated. I wish that they would run that study again so we could get a look at what's happening now. But even in 2017, that was the case. So my crystal ball would say, take a look at how, you, how are you connecting with? How are you providing information to your prospects, your customers, your markets about what your company can do uniquely to serve their needs? And, and that needs to be a continued focus, especially in light of the pandemic. Let's let's do a little letterman here. If you were to give our listeners your top 10 for marketing in 2021, what would those be? First thing, have marketing call your customers. That sounds strange. It's great data for us to understand how they're buying, what their process was, and there are things that we may learn in those conversations that they may not tell a sales rep or even a CEO. That would be number one. Two, um, after you have those calls, review your messaging. See, see if it resonates with how your prospects and your customers are telling you that they're buying. Look for opportunities to describe what you do better and in their terms. Three, I mentioned it before, invest in great content. And again, the prospects are spending three times as much, uh, three times as much of their time doing their own research as they are talking to sales. So invest in great content that they can use to educate themselves about your business and engage your sales team when they're ready. Four would be, speaking of Gen X or millennials, right? That trend of doing independent research is only going to accelerate. I'm going to vote for number three again with number four, which is demographic trends are just going to accelerate that. Does that count? I don't know. I think we might have to have to give her another one. Oh, I didn't say I was a great vote counter here. I just said uh, maybe an investment <laughs> officer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and a couple other things would just be uh, in terms of content, looking at being able to deliver value to customers and prospects in 45 minutes or less podcasts. Great example, Jonathan, you were setting the bar with these podcasts that Centura has been has been doing during the pandemic and, and even before webinars as well are a great way to do that. Figure out how to use the content you're developing, no matter what medium it's in. Figure out ways to, to say it again in another medium. Not everybody wants to listen to a podcast, although I hope they all listen to, to, to this one and to yours. They may want to hear about it in a webinar. They may want to read it in a blog. They may want to have a longer white paper, depending on where they are in their research and, and what they're interested in learning more about. So restate those, those main themes that you have across multiple medium and find ways to amplify it. The only way the content's any good is if it gets out there. Start leveraging your social media and other channels to get the word out about what you have to say that will add value to, to the people you're connecting with. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. I know being a busy professional and, and trying to run a business, so often you're distracted in so many different ways and it's someone who maintains that focus on marketing that really allows a company to to take advantage of that multivariate messaging and channels and everything else that gets the messaging out that when you're busy you just don't think about it when you're a marketing person that's your sole focus and it really allows you to have such a bigger impact and necessary in today's competitive world what you say, Jonathan, brings to mind the other analogy for CMOs. Not only are we, are we wealth advisors, but we also are conductors of orchestras. And where your different channels and messages are different instruments, your music needs variety. And a CMO is going to be listening for the music we're trying to make and then have the orchestra play well together across multiple sections of your orchestra, instruments, 
and and types of in this case types types of content and types of music. Another great analogy. I love it. All right, let's keep going down your list. Storytelling is another one that I think is really underrated. So a lot of organizations want to get their message out through what we think is important, what we do. And first, the customer, the prospect needs to understand how you can help them and and resonate with the things that they're trying to accomplish. And so Live Life Liberated is a great example of what your prospects, what your customers want to do. The Centura tagline is a great example of how you're, how you're positioning your business for the, the outcome, the benefit, and the result of working with you, as opposed to the trap that many organizations fall into where they talk about what you do all the time. First, it's about how we can help, and then it becomes how, what we can do. And the storytelling is by far the best way to give an example of what that can look like. And I'm afraid I'm, I'm too shy of David Letterman here because I have eight. So, um, <laughs> Well, people, I'm sure, will appreciate the top eight <laughs> and come back for more when we uh, bring you back for another exciting a refresh on marketing, hopefully sometime in the future. Let me uh, go ahead and, and close this out for today. Sharon, appreciate you coming in and spending a bit of your day. I know you're, you're extremely busy and covering a lot of bases, but uh, hopefully if our listening business owners and others it's been enlightening and exciting. How can someone who wants to learn more either about you or your firm get in touch with you? To find out more about Chief Outsiders, simply go to our website. Hopefully we've done all those things I've been speaking about today. <laughs> you find it easy to get the information you're looking for. You can find me. I'm Sharon Spooler, spooler at chiefoutsiders.com. You can also contact me directly through my email or through the website at chiefoutsiders.com. You're based here in San Diego, I will hopefully run into you and our paths will cross that way as well. Eric, with that, I'll let you close out our show. I'll tell you what, Sharon, you, you were spot on when you said that Centura has done a great job with these podcasts. And one of my favorite things about the podcast is that you can rewind it. I hope everybody listening was taking notes, but if you didn't take notes, it's a rewind button. Push it. Go back and listen to what Sharon said. Take those notes. All the tips and tricks that she gave were fantastic. And Sharon, I just appreciate your time today. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you as well. I appreciate you both having me on today. It was, a, it was a lot of fun to talk marketing for a while and to connect with some friends. Yeah, absolutely. And Jonathan, of course, thank you for bringing her on. You always bring on the best guests and here's a great example. Well, thank you, Eric. And uh, we'll continue to do that for all those that do subscribe and pass it on to your friends. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 
Centura Wealth Advisory Centura is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.